Hey, Bad Family. If you're just joining us for part two of this conversation, and if you hadn't had a chance to listen to part one of the episode, please do go back and take a listen so that you can fully join us in this conversation. We look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening. very unaware of my blackness like I knew I was black but I didn't necessarily have a definition for it or knew what it meant to me until I transitioned into Howard University and the reason I became aware of my blackness at an HBCU was a traumatic experience Uh, my freshman year we actually had like a threat to all of the black students attending the university where they basically said we couldn't walk outside, go to the metro, the trains, or anything like that. And like it was like a full campus lockdown, which is interesting because Howard is an open campus. So no matter what you really did, there was always a loophole that could be gone through. And now I'm even more aware of my Blackness as I'm navigating this PWI experience because I'm one of two Black women in my cohort. Uh, so and not and one of five or six in the entire program as it stands. So not being able to see as many people that look like me makes me more aware of defining what blackness is to me. I would say similar to my response earlier, I think my parents and just like my community always helped me to be aware of my Blackness and art history very early on. And so I grew up in a predominantly Black community, attending predominantly Black schools, and then I moved to Tennessee, which was a transition within itself. And that is when I think I started to realize that I'm Black in in a different way. And so in the sense, like, the history that I learned from my parents was more so in a way to revel in our Blackness, and then I got to Tennessee and it was like I was ostracized from my blackness. And so that was a transition within itself. And then now being, well, having gone to Spelman and now going, being at the University of Florida, again, I think I just kind of lean back into those things of like reveling in our history and being unapologetically black like Candace mentioned earlier, but I think I've always been aware of it. I think just the different settings I've been in have helped me to I think conceptualize it differently to navigate these different situations. Thank you. And Ayana, if you could answer the question of um, what supports would you say that HBCUs provide that PWIs don't? That's a great question. So one of the biggest things I would say is like generally like just the support in the community. So like at Spelman, I never had to seek out community and figuring out like my people. I think also being a graduate student is isolating within itself and like doing research, right? Like you're mostly working alone unless you're doing classes or something of that nature. And so I think like that is different. Like you have to seek those things out. And sometimes at these predominantly white institutions, there's not a lot of organizations that are geared towards us. So you have to find that, whether that's on campus or outside. And so I think that you like, um, I think really just having that community and those professors too that you can lean on. Like I know a lot of my professors, I'm like, I still talk to them to this day. Like I have their numbers, like we check in. 
but here it's like it, it's not that and so I again I would probably say one of the biggest things is like that community that is just automatically there and that you build on throughout your tenure at your HBCU versus here it's like you really have to be intentional about seeking that out okay um well I, I think I've always been aware of my blackness just because for the first few years of my life I did attend an all white schools so there was more about like the image of how i looked different from a lot of my friends and you know it was just it was just different like the hair was different everything was different and i couldn't really go to other teachers to ask them like why don't i look similar to them um uh i guess going to college that did kind of change it a bit i mean not really but I've always been aware since elementary. And then supports that HBCUs, HBCUs provide that PWIs don't, I'd say it's the, hmm, I don't know. Cause we had, in my school, all the black people knew each other. Like even though there weren't as much compared to the other races and ethnicities there, we all kept our own tight-knit community within each other and we kept up to date on each other. I guess what HBCUs would provide that PWIs don't probably would be the fact that you don't need to have that safety circle, which is kind of what we created for ourselves because there would be more people that look like you when you walk out on the street um, or you walk out, you go to campus, you're not looking around like, who looks like me? Who can I be friends with here? So. I guess kind of that would be something that HBCUs, HBCUs provide. Right. Yeah, because I know one thing that I often hear when people talk about HBCUs, they describe it as, you know, having a support system, like having like an extended family, people looking out for one another. Um, and I think, as we said earlier, at PWIs, you don't really get that same sense. Um, you have to kind of like actively seek it out versus it just kind of coming naturally. Because I know... Um, you know, both undergrad and um, grad, like I didn't really have like even my advisors and other people like that, professors, like I have like maybe one or two that I would say I connected with like really well, but like I literally had to seek out like professors in the Africana studies department kind of thing before I kind of felt this level of connection and people like actu actually, um, you know, looking out for me in that kind of way. So I guess to better structure this question about supports, like, um, you know, what do you think, or like, as far as um, what supports would you say that black and other multicultural students need to prepare them for success um, socially, academically, and career-wise at PWIs? And um, can yeah. I come in for a little bit, just to, yeah. just to buttress that question? Sure. Okay, so um, guys, actually, you know, what was so awesome about what happened, these ladies, you know, like, so you can see these three young ladies that we've, that have been talking here, I mean, our, our, our interns, they, they, you know, they, they came up with the idea for, you know, the black faces and white spaces. And we, once we put it out there on social media, it started, it, it was so, it was so bubbling. That's what you guys responded to. And we started looking into it more and understanding that at the universe, at our academy. So I've already even. I've already talked to a guy who's um, who has a PhD in social emotional learning, and we're going to work on some curriculum here in about a week or two that is going to be designed to support students as they go through their careers 
because of this issue of you know all the pressure that we feel because of we're people of color and you know some of us will will you know probably have some more natural skills or ways of working on it um, and tools to deal with it but some of us may not and regardless I think it is such a daunting task to be a representative and ambassador at such a young age and it adds and I guess how I would answer it is that it adds this extra layer of processing that you shouldn't have to do that's where I think um, like my contribution to this question is that I believe in HBCU you just go and just be in school if you're you know I, I watched this video once and this young lady goes oh when I go to Ghana she was an African-American she goes when I go to Ghana I'm not a black woman in Ghana I'm just a woman in Ghana and that extra layer of processing is something that I find to be that we've accepted as normal and what I believe is that we can provide support to the African-American Academy through discussion and through all other social media, um, social emotional learning skills to prepare students and people to what you have to deal with, with microaggressions, code switching, um, you know, having to search out, like we said, certain activities if you are in a PWI because things are not tailored towards you. But then again, how do we develop things that are towards us if we never have the practice to develop things towards us, if that makes any sense? So we wanna provide this support so that we can keep that cultural continence, you know, throughout your school, you know, school year. So that's the context of this question. So we're, I'm asking this question for everybody. Like if you're thinking about your life, um, the social pathways you need to create, like Miss Katanji did not Miss Katanji Jackson. We all, you know, congratulations to her for becoming the first Supreme Court justice. But her husband is white, and that, and the reason why that probably happened, not saying that she shouldn't fall in love with people of different race, was because how she, as a Supreme Court justice there were probably not enough social pathways to have enough men. There were probably smart men that she could have married, but I mean, you think of all the thing, the qualities you're looking for in a man. I mean, it really turns out to be some sort of like winning the lottery to be very successful and then find a partner that is of color as well and has your same experiences because unless you met them in college, maybe. And she met her person in college. Um, what about the career life goals, right? What, you know, how does it affect it, the fact that if I'm living in Africa with all my own people, if I'm from Trinidad and meeting my own people, my network is larger my you know i don't have to be ashamed all those extra layers things that we don't you know how do those things um, um affect you and what kind of supports do you think we need as a young person so ladies the floor is open i'd say like to to be in it and to thrive you need you need someone that looks like you in administration that's willing to take you under their wing. So I was lucky enough to find someone like that at my college who took me under her wing and then got me one job that led to me joining the student union, then the student government and then other stuff and connecting me everywhere. Um, and that, and she's that person for a lot of people. So that's how that was at UMass Amherst. And then especially here in the city of Boston, I also went to someone like that as well. So 
I think you just need, hmm, you definitely need someone that looks like you, that's like up there who can kind of guide you through whatever they've gone through already, but also what you probably shouldn't do, what you should look towards. So someone in administration that has the power to like do whatever, but looks like you, that's the type of support I feel like you'd need at a PWI. That's deep. Does any other panelists want to jump on that question? Feel free. I can jump on it, Candice. <laughs> um, at first, I would say finding people within the institution that look like you, yes. But most recently, I've also added having a strong support system outside of that. So people who may not know me within the academic realm or within just the institution of college itself. So making sure that who I have, who I intentionally surround myself with outside of my academic pursuits are also solid and able to support me in that way. Because I've, I'm finding now, although I have found people, I'm finding now that that may not always be the case. So making sure that whatever I'm building for myself outside of that world is also as supportive as I would want it to be in that world. Can I add something really quick to that? Oh, yeah, yes. go ahead, please. I was just thinking like, even with what your students need, I think like that affirmation, and I think that comes with like the community and the mentorship and things of that nature. But when you go from being the majority to the only one, like the imposter syndrome is very real. And I see that in most years, but I also think about like, even at like the secondary level, like that's something that you kind of start to see. And so making sure that like black students and other students of color are affirmed in these spaces and knowing that you earned your position there. Cause I think that's a question that comes up whether sometimes people will blatantly say it, but it's also sometimes alluded to in those conversations of like, if you're the only one. And so I think making sure that students know that you burned your spot and you deserve to be here just like anybody else. Because if not, I think that does impact like the ability to engage academically because you go from the space of surviving instead of thriving. And that's where I think we need to start also conceptualizing, like how do we get students in that space as well. So again, yes, we're thinking about how do we affirm them while they're navigating it and being introduced to these different settings. I love that. Thank you. Okay, living in the majority. Um, so, so I, I think, think that's that the biggest, biggest thing for me when I was attending high school was that I didn't really like have to think about like my blackness and just like being black while I was at school because everybody who was there just like looked like me and like we were just all comfortable and I didn't really have to code switch really. Um, but I think that once I transitioned to my PWI, I kind of like noticed like that like I am like a black student and like because of that, you know, I'll face like microaggressions, I'll have to like code switch in like certain situations. And I think it's just like, that mind shift where you kind of recognize that like you don't like everybody in this space and you kind of have to um, not change who you are, but just kind of like adapt to this like new environment. So ladies, what are your thoughts on that? Anyone can answer. Um, I completely agree with everything that she just said. It kind of goes back to what Ayana was talking about when she was speaking about affirming yourself in a space. 
I feel like when I went to my HBCU and even being in a, a majority um, black space for my um, graduate degree, I didn't necessarily have to question whether I belonged because I saw people who looked like me. Um, I was the youngest one um, in my graduate program. And so imagine these older black women, you know, and we all know how the community of, <laughs> of black women <laughs> is, right? So we embrace, right? And so it was just, you know, these women who were embracing me as their baby, taking me on and saying, no, KJ, you're going to do it. And not just you're, you're, you can do it, but you're going to do it. Like we're going to get through this together. And, you know, I saw myself, I saw, you know, my mom, I saw my grandparents in them. And because of that, um, I felt like I belonged there and it helped me to kind of walk with my head held high as opposed to some of my other friends who um, did go to PWIs where they talked to me about how that was, you know, affirming themselves. And like you said, yes, feeling free. It was, that was not the case for them. I can jump in. Um, I think going back to what you said, KJ, like you don't have to think about like all the other things like you can just be. And that was one thing I appreciated about my HBCU experience. Like when I showed up to class, I was showing up as just like a student and I wasn't thinking about being the only black student and the pressures and all of that things. And so I think that too, there's like a freedom um, that comes with that. And considering like, like now being in this space, it's like I am do I'm being a student, but I'm also always thinking about all the other things of being the only one and trying to like sometimes like feeling like overcompensating for being the only one. And so I think too making sure um, that like again like affirming and just making sure that students recognize like that at your HBCU like you have the opportunity to just be authentically whatever that looks like for you. And I felt like. Again, like that's something that I feel conflicted with in my PWI experience, like trying to thrive, but really feeling like I'm on the survival side. And me and Candace, we have conversations about this all the time. And so just thinking about like, that's something that I feel like my HBCU gave me. Like I was just a student and I was getting all the things I needed. I didn't have to worry about all the extraness that came with what cool that comes with being the minority. Uh, definitely what Ayana and KJ said, um, but really just being able to be just a student. But I also experienced it just a little bit differently coming from the Virgin Islands. And then this kind of segues into your intersectionality, right? So going from a Caribbean background into a HBCU, although I was around black people, it was great. I still had to code switch because you may not even know right now, I have a very strong St. Thomian accent from St. Thomas U.S. Virgin Islands. But even being within this space among my Black people, that's still something that I have to, that I choose to do because I don't like to repeat myself too many times. But <laughs> um, transitioning into a PWI, it is exhausting. Um, 
to have to one overcompensate and fight imposter syndrome in two worlds the world of being a one of few and also just the graduate student experience in and of itself so navigating those two things but remembering how affirmed i feel i felt within my HBCU and when I found when I'm finding my footing within the black spaces in the PWI and having those supports and people in place to be like do you remember how you got here do you remember all the great things that you did before are doing now and you want to do so listening to those voices and internalizing it for myself and saying it for myself so that I'm able to thrive not survive but thrive I like that I like how we kind of keep saying the same thing thriving versus surviving love it any other responses okay well in the meantime I do like that we're getting some feedback on the Slido so one word um, as far as I've of going to an HBCU or another place that you that you're in a majority, um, the sense of community, a sense of being or feeling at home. Um, let's see, just make it larger. Feeling affirmed, family, safe. Um, so all these really good, warm <laughs> words. So, Marla, I guess you can go to the next slide, or do you have anything to say? Um, well, I think the main, there are two things I, I still, I'm going to keep on harping on. The one is that the extra work it takes to live in PWI, like this is not like, you don't have to have this extra work. You shouldn't feel obligated to these extra things we have to do. I'm always make the joke that, you know, when we're in Africa, we eat food and we don't think about the nutrition because it's already been worked out by our culture, right? It already has all the natural foods that we need in it. So we don't have to think about it. That extra work is, um, it's an, it, it's, it's an added hurdle, resistance to progress and frustrating. And I think that that's something that we, we, we need to alleviate, which is why we want to teach the social emotional learning. Um, that's like, yeah, that's really the main thing that I wanted to talk about anyway. Okay. And actually Marlon, before we get there, I just wanted to, um, just quick comment to our panelists and to our viewers, if you can just drop in the chat one song that reminds you of the HBCU experience and our panelists, if you can just kind of go ahead quickly, <laughs> tell us one song that reminds you of it. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I'm going to say, <laughs> Lord, I don't want to say this. Okay. Gucci man off the leash. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a fraternity song? <laughs> no. So me and my friend, we, really just like whenever we would go out we would dance me and my friend just matched each other's energy and i loved how when we went out it was just that sense of home it was that sense of community like we were at one big cookout and we <laughs> went crazy whenever we heard that song that was <laughs> like our song and so um every time we you know i hear it and i'm with my friends and we hear it it just does something to us. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
I'm just gonna go ahead and say it because it's the first thing that came to mind. Nuck if you bug. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm also a proud member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. So all about the Divine Nine. And when you heard that song at HBCU and when you heard that song as a Greek affiliate, it's you just you just had to embrace it in the moment. It didn't matter where you were, what you were doing. Knuck if you buck, right here, right now, make it happen. <laughs> I was thinking about Knuck if you buck too, but I would say before I let go by amazing Frankie Beverly, yeah. I just think about like our Founders Day, um, our like, our um, Hump Wednesdays where like everybody would be on um, on the yard in the oval right here in my background like everybody would be in the oval just like vibing music all of that and so I think that is a good representation too of like just like the community and the home that I feel I might just see you I think for me it's wipe me down <laughs> if I could add one more yeah. <laughs> real quick swag surf because oh, yeah. <laughs> what says community better than everybody coming together <laughs> and just doing a choreographed dance, right? Like, that's so us. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And okay, more. One more. Okay. Uh, we gonna be all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, thank y'all so much for giving me that. So, Marlon, I guess you can go to the next um, segment. Um, so just so y'all know, um, she, she sends her apologies. She's actually sending, she's actually taking some of her kids to her, some to college or some, she's doing something with her kids in college. So I think they're interviewing or something, so she won't be able to make it today. But, uh, we have a competition that we do every year and the competitions are lives in me. Um, and what we do, we give out a free African ancestry DNA test to um, our um, lovely, lovely, lovely uh, Bostonians. And uh, this year's winner was Stacy. Um, Stacy, she lives in Hyde Park, not too close, not too far away from me. We don't say Hyde Park, we say Hyde Park over here, right? And um, so uh, she wanted on Emoja, because you know, Emoja means unity, it was the first day of Kwanzaa, so we had it. Um, the event and she won and so we're gonna reveal her uh, where she comes from she's not with us today but we'll uh, catch up with her later and this is where the lives in me comes about um, so when I started my organization I started it because I wanted to bring my African-American side and my African side together so this was the first project before Afro-American Academy before anything the first program was the lives in me challenge so this is our fourth edition um it is my most precious of uh, program because it's without this pro this is how it started like um and um so we give one 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 every year um we have um first we have, I, there's a there's a lot of history behind it. i don't want to go into all of it but yeah every one of these young ladies we have um First of all, is Justina, who, Justina, then we have Michelle, Shireen, Jessica, and now Stacy, um, And they form a little family. 
I also connect them with people from their tribe. I look for it. Sometimes it's not so easy, but people from their tribe in Africa to give them actual, because you know where, we you know how it is. Like you said, there's, there's a way we do things. And the way we do things is oral tradition, hanging out, talking, hang, you know, face to face, not in a book. So I figured that, um, and I've had one major success. She's not with us now, but um, um, our first two um, winners were from the same place, Bamiliki in Cameroon. And I can just tell you that when they met a lady from Cameroon, the lady, then they went home and had dinner with their mother that just came from Boston all the way from Cameroon, just magically everything came together. I'm telling you that the success stories and the pride that they got and the growth that they've had both since, and I'm talking about multi-layered growth, like in relate in relationships, everything. And they will, it's not like me saying it, they will attribute to them, say it. So I just want to, you know, we have, we're giving our next one out in Juneteenth. If you go to our link tree, we have another application. So if you're interested, we're opening up to everybody. So this will be our first one that will now be for everyone in the, and you know, that signs up. So we definitely want it to be something that is strong in colleges and young people um, uh, because we're academy and we primarily serve young people. So please, you know, we, we look at you guys to be ambassadors to kind of share the message. So before we get, um, find out exactly where it's from this is a video from when she actually won right so um we're gonna do a one last circle series um question just to get uh, yeah, your mind thinking on this level like what would it be to actually know where you come from in africa like what amazing thing is uh, would that be don't you know you can be like my mom and marry a nigerian and go live there for 40 years but you could find out a little bit before you know <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's see what Stacy had to say when she wants. Um, listening to you tonight um, just reaffirms how many gaps in my family history there are, and um, over the years I've tried to get answers, and um, they have been um, very conflicting. I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, this is something that I've been wanting to do because it's more than just about me it's about my daughters now and their legacy and wanting them to know who they are and where they come from um, and giving them that sense of belonging and pride and as they are embarking on you know teenage years and moving into young adulthood um, it's very crucial for them to have that firm foundation um, our faith is very important to us and knowing where we come from is a part of that so thank you so much said faith is a part of said uh i don't even know how to say it, but you said faith is the you know is important to them and knowing where they come from is a part of that that is i don't know how better to say that so um i guess you guys can go ahead so the idea is that i just wanted to get everybody to kind of look at the questions what significance would learning about your african heritage mean to you and well because i know that some of us are already already african and know um what what the reverse would be what would supporting an african diaspora person in this way letting them know about africa and letting them having asking those questions i guess i can go first um 
So I actually kind of already do that. I have two African best friends. One is Nigerian and her mother is, is Igbo and her father is Yoruba. And so from me being over her house all the time and I've known her since middle school. So I have, I've immersed myself into right. the, um, the African culture and I've just, I just fell in love with, you know, the Nigerian culture. And I also have another best friend who is, um, her parents are from Ghana and I try to immerse myself into that culture as well, because me learning about, you know, where I descend from and who lives in me, as you all are speaking about, it would mean so, so much. Um, it would explain down to, for me, why my face is the way it is, right? Why my nose does the certain, you know, why it does a certain hump, why it has a certain hump in it, or, you know, even why my cheekbones rise when I smile, um, down to why I think the way I think, why I have a compassion for others um, the way that I do. So for me, it would explain who I am as a whole, and I see that when I'm over my best friend's house. I see a sense of pride and a sense of pride in the fact that they understand and they have connections to their lineage in that way. Um, and it's a beautiful pride to have. My best friend, Elizabeth, she tells me, when we go back home, you have to come home with us. And to know that she has a home, a place to call home and that place, um, for me, I don't necessarily have that connection. It just makes me kind of want to, you know, I'm sitting here like, Dad, can y'all give me an ancestry? <laughs> because <laughs> because I, I, I literally have been um, thinking about this really heavy. So it's amazing that you all have brought this up because seeing my two friends and, you know, their culture and how immersed they are in it. I'm telling you, I can't wait for them to get married because I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> I love that, KJ. That We're was going to eat some jollof rice. Some jollof please, please. Uh, oh, and my God. Is, I, knew, I knew that's what was up. I knew you it. just made my night. Thank you. <laughs> Anyone else can go? I can go. I feel very similar to KJ. I had the opportunity to spend a couple weeks in Accra. And that was like life changing for me. Like I felt like I was home. Um, and I think just having that experience, I realized just how much I long to know our history beyond slavery. I'm like, I know that's it's not where it started. And so wanting to know more about my people, my family. And yeah, I and I like all the things AJ said, like, cause even being there, like the food, like the people, people like the music the dancing it was just everything um and then even going to like elmina castle and seeing like the door overturned and so it's like all of that like making those connections and it's like did my ancestors walk through here like is this you know i feel like there's a lot of unanswered questions and i think having that opportunity to connect with my lineage was just 
don't know, man. Like I'm like I'm one of those people who loves history anyway. So I'm like again, I just like it would just answer so many questions and it would just make so much sense. Like my my cheekbones, like you said, like my face, like all of the things. Like it would just it would just put all the pieces together. Um, and again, I think it would take my sense of pride to the next level. Like I'm already prideful as a black person, but if I know my tribe and language and all that, like it's it's a wrap. It's a wrap. I love it. <laughs> um, all of the things that were said before me. Um, I am not privy to exactly what my African heritage is, but I would love that because even knowing just my Caribbean heritage as it as it stands, I it's everything about me. You walk into my apartment, that's what you see first. Like the biggest flag I can find is gonna always be on the wall. No debate. But also, um, my dad named me and my middle name is Makita. And I'm not sure how that may connect or if him choosing that name has anything to do with our connection to African heritage. But that's a part of me and I would love to learn more. And we would love to teach more. This is that's fantastic. Um, we are basically done, but I want to tell you why this, this this whole idea of the lives in me challenge and trying to connect to our African, the core of our culture, not the periphery, but the core of it, then we can all thrive. So we found out where she's from. So she took the she took the test in December. All went well. Um, so she's from the, the Mende people. So I put I found a couple of videos, nothing too extravagant, but just a couple just to kind of give us a little bit idea of what. Sierra Leone is all about and her tribe. So we made it through. <laughs> and oh yeah, she's on. She says she's listening online. That she's on the road, and that uh, is going in and out on the road. Um, her um, connection, but she's been she's been watching. So she says thank you. I guess everybody, yeah. We should just say hi. Congratulations. In case you can hear us, congratulations, Stacy. Congratulations, Stacy. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I can't wait to talk to her. We have these long, super conversations. You know me. All right. So um, we do have a couple of announcements. Um, we have another one coming up, right? Go ahead. Um, thank you, Ray. Yeah, so we do have um, a parenting in a diaspora uh, event happening next month. So please do save the date. Um, that will be Sunday, May 15th. And that's on that slide. Let me enlarge the picture. Um, so it will be a combination of, you know, Mother's Day, you know, celebrate Mother's Day, but at the same time, just talking about um, different experiences within the, you know, parenting, raising children um, in a diaspora. And then um, the second one, Marlon. Oh, yeah. So the second one, um, like, we started April 1st, we started accepting um, applications for the um, African-American Academy. So I'm um, just sharing it around with everybody. We're having, um, it is on May, uh, May, I think it's May 7th, where um, we're having a um, co community informational. That is to let people know more about what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, we are a hybrid organization. We hope to one day be able to have affiliates in the city near you. 
So coming to learn about our organization, how it operates, what it's about, how it's made of um, people from the community. So it's also, so it's collaborative. Um, um, where, you know, we find it that we want to, like you said, we want to nurture the culture to thrive and we, we want to offer um, opportunities for our people to thrive. So um, please stay tuned. We can't wait to see you. And if you want to be part of the um, panelists for the next one, um, please let us know. Anyway, that being said, we thank you everybody for um, being here. And I guess I'll let um, Ankuru close us out. Yes, we just want to start by saying a very big thank you to our panelists for your time and for your dedication to, um, you know, everything that you shared with us and your experiences. And we thank you to all of our uh, viewers and those who will listen to this uh, recording later on. Thank you so much for participating in the chat and for your continued support. And we hope to um, have you all in our next conversation. Thank you again. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.